Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You better not have no plans tonight. Movie time and it's feeling right. You're looking for a love that lasts. You'll find it at romance in the podcast. I know. Ooh, ooh, baby, you're the wind beneath my wings. Ooh, ah, I'll have what she's having. Thank you for tuning into Romance in the Pot. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, I made you guys watch In and Out. Out. And I prefer this movie, Animal Style. Animal Style. style. (laughs) I need to apologize in advance because my voice sounds like I swallowed a chainsaw or a blender and I don't know why. Hot take. I like this better than your normal voice. I have been traveling for the past two days and I don't know what happened. Could it be COVID again? I'm not sick. I feel fine. But it's just like my voice is gone for some reason or I swallowed a blender. I don't know. Did a sea witch steal it? Can you tune your radio throat back to your old radio voice? So today we're going to be talking about in and out. I think it's worse when I try and do the radio voice right now. You got to hit the radio a couple times. (laughs) Todd. What's up? You've got your looks, your pretty face, and don't underestimate the importance of body language. I do think it's great that you clearly love a movie where little girls learned that if they wanted to get the prince, they just needed to shut their mouths. (laughs) Well, it was the 90s, kind of like this movie where it's like, (laughs) lose the weight, get the man, and then tries to bring it around at the end and almost makes it. Dude, Paige, okay, no joke. I was shocked when they tried to save it at the end, but like in a good way. I was like- So close. Yeah. So close. Well, and also also it's the 90s. Like the whole movie, they were talking about how it's better to be thin. You're never going to find happiness if you're not thin. And that, to me, felt very 90s. I was like, okay, that is the 90s to a T. Yeah, I was like, I hate this, but this is, like, classic. Classic. And then at the end, when he tries to, like, save it, I think it's Matt Dillon's character tries to, like, save it. It bungles it a little bit. Yeah. Because she clearly has a pattern of disordered eating and and probably needs some therapy. But, and and he he does not say it in the best way but his point is that you have always been beautiful i always thought you were beautiful you're beautiful because of who you are yeah then she's into it but like it's a last ditch hail mary at the end for a lot of rough fat shaming through the entire movie yeah a little too little too late it is really like i don't know um an hour and 20 minutes of fat shaming for a five minute no you're actually prettier At whatever weight you want to be, because I like who you are as a person, which is great. And I was shocked that we got that message in the 90s, but it's called negging, Todd. (laughs) Is it the opposite of negging, though? Because it's a compliment? 
No, you have to neg first and then compliment. Well, he was like, why'd you lose the weight? You were beautiful. I mean, you are also still beautiful, but like, yeah. So that's where I was like, Duh. I mean, I just had a lot of respect that he went back to his hometown and went to fuck the teacher he always had a crush on. Well, it does establish <laughs> that she was a student teacher, which would have oh. meant they were closer oh. in age, but it's still dicey. Now we're in my wheelhouse. I had a crush on a TA in college. That's fair game, I think. I had a crush on a TA in college. Then I told her I loved her at a bar when I was drunk. and I Oh, really no. <laughs> Mikey, you moron. Tell me how that <laughs> went. I want to know everything, please. She. Wait, 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 wait. Can we act it out? I'll be her. Hey, I forgot her name. I think it was like. You forgot her name. <laughs> you told her you loved her and you have already forgotten. Sorry. You've already forgotten my name. I feel terrible because I'm thinking about. The TA I had a crush on, and I'm trying to, I think I know his name. Not 100%. I was 18 or 19. <laughs> so I was like, I like, I'm at a bar. I'm kind of drunk. And I was like, you're the TA at my psych class, blah, blah, blah. I love you. Oh, <laughs> that can't have gone well. That cannot have gone well. She blushed and smiled and ignored me for the rest of the semester. <laughs> and failed you. <laughs> I had a crush on my art history TA. And I believe, if memory serves, his name was Tim question mark and we walked around uh, a museum together with a an art exhibit almost like a fake natural history museum of uh an exhibit on feral children and i was fascinated by it and he was like this is pretty cool and i was like yeah and then i found out later he had a girlfriend and i was like well it was fun to walk around that museum that one time basically the same story as mine <laughs> <laughs> except she didn't embarrass herself while intoxicated around him yes no uh but we did also get to go to one of my favorite museum exhibits i've ever been to which was uh it was called the birth of cool and it, it was, was footage of chester cheeto being birthed out of <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy being cheesy uh, it was designed from the late 30s to the early 70s basically everything from cars spacecraft to like home appliances so they had like a house built in the style of that period they had a whole bunch of like the James Bond cars, but it was almost this like idea modernism, of modernism, like, like just like, a, like yes. a big exhibit on modernism. I love modernism. It took me a long time to understand postmodernism as like a concept. Mm -hmm. Postmodernism is like the failure of technology to make our lives better. Yes. And I think it took me a long time, but I very much understand the last 20 years of my life is postmodern. This is postmodern. <laughs> I have a slightly more on topic topic uh, with the movie. Sure. And it's I have a confession to make. I have an undying hatred for Matt Dillon. <laughs> oh, really? really? Okay. Can I ask why? I do not like him in movies. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I dislike Matt Dillon. The only movie- When did this start? Like, as a child. Really? I've just not liked him in any movie. And how did that make you feel? <laughs> he was in The Outsiders, right? Yes, he, he is in The Outsiders. That's the only movie I liked him in. And then, like, anytime he shows up, I'm like, oh, Matt Dillon. Okay, that's a weird take. Although I have a very similar thing with Joan Cusack, which I don't understand because I love hate her. Joan Cusack. I actively dislike her in pretty much everything I see her in. I love her in this movie. I think this is the perfect amount of Joan Cusack. Yes, I think if we went a little bit more, I could have got there. Yeah, I love Joan Cusack, and you hated her in this movie. Oh, sorry. No, no. I I really loved her in this movie. <laughs> no, she is great in I, this movie. I felt for her so much. Yeah. Uh, no, one of my favorites is School of Rock. I think she's very funny in School of Rock. I think she's better at the more reserved she plays. 
But I mean, my favorite movie of hers is Robin Williams' Toys. <laughs> that movie is bonkers. <laughs> that movie is so crazy. No joke. I had this conversation with Natalie before we started recording, and I said, I think I hate her because of Toys. That movie was ahead of its time. No, that movie was terrible. I love that movie. It is so stupid in all the right ways. I could see early 90s Mikey, like, loving watching this movie while playing with his G.I. Joes. Which brings me on to my second confession about this movie. Oh, okay. So my privileged little self had HBO as a child. Oh, wow. And they played in and out on HBO all the time. Okay. I hated it as a kid because I was like, this movie's boring. And so I wanted toys. I didn't want in and out This was the first time I actually enjoyed it. When he said that, he sounded like a seven-year-old. I wanted toys, not in and out. <laughs> See, I feel like toys is just the craziest parts of Halloween 3 without the drunkenness of Dr. Dan Chalice. And you do need a drunk doctor yeah. banging someone half his age to hold a movie like toys together. Yes, it needs Tom Atkins. It does. No, does Dr. Dan Chalice. Like, that's the unofficial sequence. He's like, I'm going out west to find the toy store. <laughs> the toy factory okay so was this the first time either of you had seen this well mikey you just said you saw it as a kid Paige, have you seen it before this was my first time oh, seeing no this film so what was your first impression i loved it yes. now here's the thing i fully understand there there are parts of this movie that do not hold up there, sure there are homophobic aspects there are problematic yeah. aspects there is an undercurrent of a character having a very very visible eating disorder and people mocking it like it's really not great you mean my favorite running joke in the movie (laughs) it's not even just her they they say horrible things to the model too like there's a lot going on that doesn't hold up but what i do love about this movie it has zero pacing issues for sure this movie Mm -hmm. comes in at a quick 91 minutes and it is amazing but it is it has such a voice oh my god the the writing in this movie is phenomenal every everything they make fun of about hollywood is perfectly true back then but still true today and i was rolling because there's so much about this movie that's said within the movie completely earnest but is definitely meant to be a tongue-in-cheek indictment of the way people treated other people in general but specifically treated gay people in the 90s to the point where i found myself wondering what was it like to watch this in the 90s i can't even imagine like it's so ahead of its time it's so ahead of its i feel like it must have been a completely different viewing experience for LGBTQ people versus straight people because I feel like straight people in the 90s would have seen this and half the jokes are over their head. I feel like now watching this, looking back, knowing what the 90s were like, knowing what people went through and knowing, having a better concept of what both being gay means in society and just kind of what that experience might be like because now it's still not great, but normalized to a degree that it they could have probably never imagined in the 90s. And so watching it today, there are so many digs at society at the time and so many jokes that are played as like, we're playing this as if it's hyperbolic, but things are this bad. And so it's weird that like in some ways this movie aged really badly because there are still... You know, the whole section of that man tape that he's listening to, while a very funny concept, is just 
stereotypes on stun and and the idea that the stereotypes are what make a person gay or not is problematic to me and and i don't love it but some of the outside like the the scene where he's opening the door to the classroom and every time he opens it they're shouting out a new talking point is so funny to yeah. me because they're saying crazy things yes they and are. i'm like in 2022 that sounds unhinged but in 1997 those were real headlines yeah and so in some ways this movie ages amazing because it is a lot funnier now but there are still parts of it that are problematic that you kind of have to reconcile as you watch it the thing i found the most interesting watching it one is that i actually paid attention because i wasn't a child and (laughs) i thought it was very very good and it was very like light and fluffy and it dealt with the content in a really like soft and gentle way but also being like poignant and, and fun and like there's some troubling things said but they way that they like weave it like they like weave the line where like you're like oh this is awful but like also adorable like you know like the him listening to that record and i was just like because he's unabashedly having fun and then i was like is kevin klein gay i just don't even know oh okay uh we can talk about it now or we can talk about it in fun facts do we want to talk about it i need to know i know already because i am todd said i could not google it until now because Mikey asked last night, and I was like, do me a favor, don't Google it. Because I'm obsessed with Kevin Klein. Like, I love right, right, right. Kevin Klein. So I know the answer to this. But Paige, if you want to talk no, about it. Jump on in if you want to go, and I will I will add to it what I know. But I assume we know the same. I'd imagine so. Phoebe Cates and Kevin Klein have been married since the 80s. And yep. when oh, they yeah. first started dating, they met on, like, a set, I think. I'm not sure it was a movie. Either they met of them it were an doing. audition. It was an audition. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And she thought he was gay. Just straight up thought he was gay. He asked her out and she was like, oh, he just wants to be friends. Yeah. And then yeah. on that date, he was like, no, I thought this was a date because you're beautiful yeah. and you're fun and I want to date you. And she's like, oh, cool. Well, then let's date like that. But like, I think it's very funny that she sort of went through the same or like it's the opposite of this movie in my mind. And I think that's very funny. Now, th- that is something i and again it's one of those things where it is you do have to remember it is the 90s if we made this movie in 2022 it would be a gay actor and that i would feel better about that because there's almost no gay actors in it and that's a problem is it joan cusack gay oh no i don't think so no she married richard burke i don't know a lot about celebrities (laughs) (laughs) clearly fun little tie-in though richard burke is the name of tom Selleck's character in friends yes it is uh anyway there's not really gay people in this movie and that is a huge problem with it yeah but made today if we were remaking this i think you would have a lot of people in it but there are a number of articles where kevin klein has talked about questioning himself based on what his wife said where she was like i thought you were gay and he's like am i yeah and I think that's a really interesting part of this movie to kind of check in with yourself sometimes and be like, am I? In his defense, Phoebe Cates, pretty strong universal appeal. Oh, I mean, Phoebe Cates was and still is gorgeous. I looked up because I I was kind of digging into this uh, earlier. I looked up, you know, modern, like current photos of them, interviews of them or whatever. She hasn't aged a damn day. Yeah. And, And he has definitely aged and so there's like pictures of them like hanging out at like professional basketball games and stuff like that and oh my like god a, i just okay i just googled did it. you look it up <laughs> there's, there's like 16 years between them but she's yeah. easily in in her 50s and she looks like 26 it is 
wild. We have the same curse. I mean, blessing. (laughs) I mean, but he is in his 70s now. I mean, when he filmed this movie, he was either 49 or 50 years old. He looks great in this movie, He does. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Good for him. I honestly feel like Kevin Kline is perfect in this movie, but I say that about every Kevin Kline performance in every Kevin Kline movie. Like, I watched this, I was supposed to come home last night from Rhode Island, and uh, my flight got canceled due to weather, so I watched this on my iPad in the hotel room, and then immediately after this, I watched Pirates of Penn like that's the kind of kevin klein fan that i am well when when mikey asked us last night is kevin klein gay i immediately pictured him in pirates of penzance and i was like i don't know i think i have to google this (laughs) 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 which is a horrible stereotype just like this movie does i need to point out that in pirates of penzance the pirate king kisses every woman on stage doesn't mean anything just saying (laughs) Stage kisses aren't real kisses. That's well, true. That, that lowers my numbers quite a bit then. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, Todd, any kiss where it's an activity where seven or more guys are together with you on that date is not a date. Oh, I mean, we're still talking about Rachel, right? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about kissing the other guys. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe you might uh, have no, no, I'm talking about, about yourself, my date Todd. with Rachel. And when I say date, I mean like quote unquote date. But if we had kissed, it would have gone very badly for me, I'm sure. I think you mean Rachel, my favorite professional interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if, if just because in this movie, kissing Tom Selleck is kind of what like triggers things for him and I was like I'm trying to think if I've kissed a girl outside of like a stage thing but Tom Selleck's kind of like the male Phoebe Cates you know like I mean you're not wrong Tom Selleck can fucking get it I, if Tom Selleck kissed me in the 90s, I'd be like, well, one, I, he'd be a pedophile. But <laughs> but like you now kissing 90s Tom Selleck, that's OK. Yeah. I would be like, oh, I'm, I'm not. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Tom maybe. Selleck, man, he's rich. Can I just say about that kiss scene when Kevin Klein pops his leg, like literally like kicks the leg up like you see in like every romantic comedy at the end when the, the men when like the couple kisses and then like throws his leg around Tom Selleck. I died. I love it. So funny. It was so funny. I'm so glad you liked this movie, Paige. And I honestly, I'm thrilled really at how well it held up. I won't say it held up amazingly. Oh, it's definitely got troubling elements sure sure sure. but when you (laughs) say we're watching a 90s rom-com that focuses on a gay character that is like a minefield of problematic shit and it uh, manages to avoid a lot of it it holds up better than most straight rom-coms we've done from the same time period it does as far as offensiveness here's what i will say we we've done a number of 90s rom-coms on this show yeah uh and straight 90s rom-coms are also fucking terrifying and problematic so the fact that this was about as problematic as some of those i was like i mean that makes sense it was the 90s less than in a lot of cases yeah Yeah. so do you guys just want to get into the movie so we can talk about it scene by scene yes let's do it so we open on kind of shots of their little town greenfield indiana kind of like through the town with credits over it which is kind of nice kind of establishing yeah but this is also where I found out that this movie was directed by Frank fucking Oz. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. He played Yoda. Famous Star Wars puppeteer Frank Oz. Honestly, Paige, he's directed a bunch of shit. Uh, this is how I found out that he directed a bunch of shit. And I was like, he's puppeted these movies to success. <laughs> he is the puppet master. <laughs> Although, and Paige, 
He did start out like in puppet movies, like directing yeah, puppet movies. Like he did the Dark Crystal, he did the Muppets Take Manhattan. Yes. So like he did like a bunch of shit that was puppet based. I, <laughs> I love Frank Oz too. I think he's great, and he also is an actor. Like I don't know, he's pretty great. Yeah. Every <laughs> every time someone brings up Frank Oz, I am reminded of a Jason Manzukis quote from a How Did This Get Made festival, where he just said. <laughs> Everyone in this movie is a pile of trash bags rolling around on a dolly and puppeted by Frank Oz. <laughs> and I do not for the life of me remember what movie it was. If you, I know he was talking about Nicole Kidman, but I don't remember what movie. That's awesome. Is it Far and Away? <laughs> no, I don't think so. God, we got to do Far and Away. Uh, okay. It was also written by Paul Rudnick, who wrote Sister Act, Sister Act 2. Like, he wrote a bunch of great like 90s movies. Neither of the sister acts are romantic comedies, They're technically, not. but they are some of my favorite movies. And we talked about that on, on, on Black Hard Rehab, and I hadn't watched the first sister act in a minute. Oh, yeah. And Ooh, forgot that it was a fucking one. crime drama. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. That's why she goes undercover. That's why she goes in undercover. Yes. Oh. The fact that sister act was not called an undercover is, I think, the only wrong thing Paul Rudnick has ever done. <laughs> I, I mean, for me, this is a, a stellar track record. And also, the Sister Act movies are also funnier than you remember them being. Like, watch them back now, and they are also kind of ahead of their time to a degree. Well, I mean, like, also, we were children. Like, I think some of those comedies yeah, had to be too. better as adults. I'm sure that's yeah. true, yeah. I'm like, that lady's pretending to be a nun. Hilarious. <laughs> anyway, so this is where we first meet Kevin Klein's character, Mr. Brackett. And he's in class, and his students are asking him about a famous student he had, Cameron Drake, uh, who is now, we find out, nominated for an Oscar. And it's Matt Dillon who is Cameron Drake. You know, the, the guy Mikey loves. It's Matt Dillon, and, and we'll get this out of the way early. This is based on something that happened at the 66th Academy Awards where Tom Hanks accidentally outed his former teacher Yeah, in very much this same fashion. And it did not go great. Yeah, what happened to that guy's life? <laughs> uh, basically what happened to this guy's life, kind of. That's terrible. I know this movie plays it as fun, but it's pretty terrible. But this movie portrays it as the 68th Academy Awards, which had just happened when this movie came out. And so Matt Dillon and his entire outfit and demeanor and answers in this movie are modeled exactly after Brad Pitt's at uh, the 68th Academy Awards. Same outfit, same everything, same haircut, you name it. I love everything about that. Did the guy who got outed by Tom Hanks get money for this movie being made? Oh, I'm sure he did not. Yeah. Uh, because enough information was changed so that it's not actually his name. But well, That makes me doubly sad. Raleigh Farnsworth was the teacher's name. Wait, Farnsworth? Yeah. Like the inventor of TV, Farnsworth? No, I mean, I'm sure it's not the same guy. But... Well, yeah, I mean, F Philo Farnsworth invented the TV. Yeah. So Raleigh was okay with it eventually, but it was not an easy transition. E essentially, people have said that he was kind of like dragged out of the closet. He was not publicly out. Uh, it was a little different than this movie. He wasn't like about to be married or, or whatever. Okay. Um, but he was not openly out. We talked a little bit about this story because I knew like very high level. So we talked a little, a little bit about it on last week's episode. We talked, we were doing this movie, but I didn't realize that he wasn't out. Like I didn't know any of that stuff. That's wild. And that's honestly tragic on some level. I'm sure Tom Hanks 
felt terrible about that. So, okay, Farnsworth, Raleigh Farnsworth, has spoken about this publicly. Uh, oh, cool. And he says that Tom Hanks actually called him a few days before uh, the Oscars and was like, I was one of your students. I don't know if you remember me, but I would like to talk about you in my Oscar speech. But he doesn't know what Tom Hanks is going to say. And he like yeah. hadn't he wasn't necessarily familiar with the movie or whatever. And he says it was overwhelming and he had kept his homosexuality private for years. But he was then contacted by the San Francisco Chronicle mm. and basically asked if he would reveal basically if he would come out for the article. And at the time he had been retired from teaching for 12 years. And so he decided that, you know, what harm could it do? Basically it couldn't ruin his teaching career. And he was 69 at the time. Nice. And so <laughs> he decided to come out at that point. But it is a little unfortunate that that choice was not just his. He was kind of pushed by circumstances into doing that it. That sucks. I wonder if Tom Hanks ever called to apologize or anything. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, apparently, they have discussed it since then. And Farnsworth is kind of like, "This isn't how I would have planned this, but we, we cool." But yeah. I mean, it, it it's nice that he called to apologize, or they worked it out, you know, or whatever. But like, right. I hope he wrote him a check. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, we cut to uh, after class, uh, Kevin Klein's character meets with a student in the hallway and the student has an acceptance letter from a college. He has him open it and he did get in full ride scholarship. They're super excited. And from there, they go to practice because I think he's the football coach, basketball coach. I don't think we ever see them playing a sport. Sports, sports, sports yeah. coach. He's definitely a sports ball coach for sure. Sports ball. And all of his students are like, hey, we were going to have practice, but instead you're getting married. So they like shower him in champagne. And I'm like, where did these teenagers get all this alcohol? Yeah, I know, like, right? In a school. <laughs> the 90s was awesome. <laughs> but we cut to... Joan Cusack doing her final fitting for her wedding dress. And it is very of the time. Uh, this dress, my aunt, uh, her first wedding was around this time. And it was basically the same shape, but it was satin instead of tulle. Okay. And instead of having all of the applique, but it was the same cut. And so when she walks out in it, I was like, oh my God, It's it was my answer. Is it weird that Kevin Klein is there to see it? Yes and no. So okay. I mean, some people choose to have their groom involved. It's always interesting on uh, bride dress TV shows when a groom is involved. Jake chose not to be involved. I also didn't invite him. <laughs> Um, in part because for me, I'm like, I dress for me. I wear the things that I want to wear because I think they look cool and everyone, I guess, can say shit, but I don't really care. It's my body. And I thought that it might just be an extra bit of noise in me trying to choose the thing that I wanted. Yeah. Does that make sense? But Absolutely. also he wanted to be surprised. Uh, but it's not the craziest thing in the world for someone to be there. Okay. I thought it was like a bad luck thing. I honestly. It is. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Traditionally, they, they don't see the dress till the wedding that's what i thought yeah but i mean like if i don't know if my future wife wanted me to see the wedding dress she picked out or whatever and get my feedback i would be open to that but i also like don't need to do that like because yeah. i'm not gonna have an educated opinion on it i feel like most men i have spoken to in that position are like she is beautiful in anything and yeah. anything she would pick would be great absolutely so except that go get another dress <laughs> <laughs> well and it does say in the scene that he helped pick her dress yeah, which it does. that 
I was like, I've heard of this happening a few times, but like that is unusual, but okay. And this is where we meet her or his mom because she has no parents. She's an orphan. But his mom, who's played by Debbie Reynolds. Yes. And she is one of my favorite characters in this movie because <laughs> she's completely unhinged. All she wants is this wedding. It's all she wants in her entire life. Yeah. And it's so bunk. And I love her too. And I also love the dad is played by Wilford Brumley or Brimley. Wilford Brimley. Yeah. And I, he's great in this movie. I mean, so is the mom. So is Debbie Reynolds. She's great in this movie too. Yeah. But like Bob Newhart's in this movie. Like there's a bunch of big name people in this. Even the kids are like, oh, I recognize that person. This is just like a super young version of themselves. Right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, this is also where we find out that Joan Cusack's character, Emily, has worked incredibly hard to lose 75 pounds, which is a significant amount of weight. That's, that's a, a lot. lot of weight. Yeah. I, I lost a lot. a lot of weight once and it was hard. I mean, that's a whole hell of a lot. Uh, and she did it via Richard Simmons, yeah. which as a, a fat child at the time that this movie was out, oh. I am also very familiar with Richard Simmons' catalog of films. Films? You're calling them films now, Paige? I'm going to call them films. Okay. Film. Yeah. All right. Sweating with the oldies. I didn't realize they had a narrative. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, but I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Uh, have either of you done sweating with the oldies? No, I have not. I'm sorry. You mean going to the beach with old people? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and, and here's the thing. I am not advocating for fat shaming your children. I'm not. <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say is those workouts are the most fun I've ever had exercising ever. Okay. Because he's literally just screaming while Diana Ross plays <laughs> and you're just kind of dancing. And it's the best. And I've been trying to find like a streaming version or a DVD and they're like really hard to find because he like doesn't license them and stuff. But I and there used to be you used to be able to take his class in person in L.A. And I have a few friends who've done it and they're like, it's the most wild, unhinged, insane <laughs> fitness brunch madness you've <laughs> ever brunch. seen. That does not surprise me at all. Uh, and so like not even to lose weight. I just want to dance and scream in my living room. So if you have the hookup somehow for a modern version of dancing with the oldies, hit your girl up. I'm trying <laughs> to find it. So we cut to him buying his suit. Uh, Wilford Brimley's there. His brother's trying on like a powder blue tux. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I have a question. Sure. Yeah. Is his brother cognitively disabled? I don't I know. I don't think so. Okay. The way things are going now is that everything's on a spectrum. You know, like you can have a little of this or, you know, a lot of something. And, yeah. But I don't think so now. No, I think he's just odd. Yeah. Like any small town. Okay. Yeah. They're all kind of like him. Yeah, well, and especially because he he seems to have his own job and his own stuff. He just seems to be kind of dumb, <laughs> but not but not like no, like yeah. the, just like not societally aware, you know, or whatever. Dumb is the worst word. I'm so sorry, but just like a dude who's maybe not as you know savvy with the ladies and doesn't know how to pick out clothes, but Wait he's just a nice guy. Hold who, on like, a second. Is also a therapist <laughs> and like saves people's lives. Uh, I just, I honestly wondered if he had like a head accident, like he was in a car you wreck. A head or, injury? Yes. Yeah, his head peed his pants. He's wearing a hat like the entire movie, so I, I thought like maybe he had like a steel plate in his head or something. Like, so to me, the words head accident are like violently terrifying. Um, I cannot tell you how hard I would have laughed 
if at some point in this movie he took off his hat and there was just like half a railroad spike sticking out of it or something. <laughs> exactly, Paige, yes. Just like not even a dress. They're just like, yeah, that's that's his spike. And I was just like. Like the guy from Happy Gilmore with a nail in his head? <laughs> he, like mom's plate and Pete and Pete. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. All right, well, let's move on. I mean, I'm not saying that his suit choice is the reason I thought that, but it did like lean me Fuel in that direction. Yeah. I like how Todd's like, Moving on, but wait, first, before yeah, we move yeah. on. You know the, like, saw blades from, like, a circular saw? Just, like, one of those. <laughs> That's, I think, what I swallowed and why my voice sounds like shit today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, we cut to what I think is their rehearsal dinner. Uh, that would make sense. Although the rehearsal dinner is usually, like, the night before. But, I mean, it it depends on venue and stuff like that. It's, it's all up in the air. And we know that this is only, like, three or four days before the wedding. So... Every dinner for me is rehearsal for the real dinner you're just like stretching it out <laughs> yeah i just i'm preparing for like a real dinner sometimes so every dinner is rehearsal you gotta be, you gotta be on your game okay i actually refer to lunch as my rehearsal dinner <laughs> every day <laughs> that's a better way to put that you know in in french uh breakfast is petite dejeuner and lunch is dejeuner so it's almost like Breakfast is little lunch. I don't want any petite meals. No, <laughs> sir. It's it's just the idea that like it's your little lunch. And I've always loved that. My little lunch is what I eat in the car on the way to lunch. <laughs> it's elevensies. <laughs> yeah. You guys want to see my little lunch? No. Uh, I feel no. I feel like this is a trap. You guys want to eat my little lunch? Mikey, I don't think you can eat vitamin water. <laughs> and if you uh, add gelatin to it. Okay, well, I can tell this is going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> Where you try to make jokes and fail? How yeah. breads come? <laughs> bread puns come in? Guess what, listeners? Solid D. Oh, let's not do D. Solid <laughs> F. <laughs> That's right, ladies. Mikey's always bringing that solid D. <laughs> he feels like he's bringing the pain, but like, P- like bread... Like the French word for bread, pan. Oh man, now you're not <laughs> able to do bread puns. What, what is, is that happening? Joke for? Who is that? It's a bread like, pun. That is a French bread pun for like what the four exchange students who went to Paris. <laughs> we have listeners in France and maybe Canada. <laughs> we have listeners. You just don't know about them. They live in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I met them at camp, Mikey. They're French Canadian, and I met them at summer camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's honestly just for Armando when he gets back from France and he just like really inhabits the culture. I really, I cannot wait to see him in a beret. Like that is like the thing I'm looking forward to most. Here's the thing: I I've been to France, and I think he may not like it. <laughs> And so I'm just kind of waiting to hear back. It's like internationally known to that no one likes it. No, that's not true. I mean, Paris. Paris is kind of gross. There are a few places I want to go in France, but I'm not like it's not top of my list of places I want to visit. Well, I have to go to Paris and I have to go to France because you want to see someone's underpants. That's all I got. This is the (laughs) solid D game coming at you. You're just mad that we didn't get your jokes earlier. Oh, shit. Paige, hell yeah. Well, I'm going to French dip out of this episode. <laughs> you did it! I made a bread pun. That's more of a sandwich pun than a bread pun. I don't eat bread by itself. Usually. You can't be part of our club sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> We're funnier than you'll ever be, LT. <laughs> I, I think you really crossed the Maginot line there. The Maginot line? Really? Fuck. Do you know what the Maginot line is? I can't believe that you said that we didn't croissant the Maginot line. 
The Maginot Line, the Maginot Line is a bunch of fortifications between France and Germany that France thought would stop the Germans in World War II, but they blitzkrieged over it and then they were like fucked. Do you know how they got over the Maginot Line so easily? Planes. Yeah, because planes were invented after they started building the Maginot Line. Yeah. But back then, planes were invented. So they didn't know, you know? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're like, like, man, this took us 20 years. They look up and they're like, oh, what the fuck is that? Oh, shit. It literally bankrupted. The country of France to build this like insanely amazing fortification that the Nazis beat with a plane. Uh, more than one. Probably. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the plane, I should say. What if it was just one giant plane? <laughs> it's the Spruce Goose. Are you guys getting these World War II profiteering jokes or should we move on? <laughs> should move on. <laughs> anyway, so they're at their rehearsal dinner. <laughs> yeah. They French flied. Fried? No. Right over that line. D D game. I like that earlier you were you were like I couldn't do stand up. I can only do puns, and now I can't even do puns. <laughs> My whole stand up routine will be me failing to do puns for five minutes. <laughs> Honestly, I'd probably laugh at painful. that though. Well, it it depends because if you can, <laughs> at first it'll be really rough, but if you can stay failing long enough, sometimes it comes around to be funny that it's going so bad. You two have been a really grating all audience. <laughs> <laughs> Only one person would laugh at my stand up routine. It is Paige. She would just be head in the hand. And I'd just be <laughs> sad about the failure. Yeah. Anyway, so he kind of gives a toast and is joking about. How they've been engaged for like three years, but he said that he wouldn't marry her until this student got nominated. And lo and behold, he did. I thought I'd be saved for the rest of my life, which is kind of a funny joke. I thought it was. Yeah. Um, Basically at the expense of the student to just be like, I never thought he was good enough, but I guess I got to get married now. And unfortunately, (laughs) he heard it and planned to out him later that night because of this joke. That motherfucker. So after this kind of rehearsal dinner engagement party, whatever, uh, everyone kind of goes back to their respective houses to watch the Oscars because they know the guy that's up for an award. Yeah, he's from their hometown. He's from their hometown and by all accounts is actually kind of a nice dude. Like they play him in these early scenes as being a total asshole. But then he comes back later and he's actually kind of cool. I think he plays sort of like an asshole, but he really is just dumb. Well, I don't even know that it's dumb so much as disliking the Hollywood machine. Oh, that could be true, too. Yeah, I sort of maybe not dumb, but like aloof, maybe. Aloof is a good word for it. Do you guys think I'm aloof of bread? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Vindication! Mikey, you're back, baby. I've only read that word. Did you say uh, he's only bred that word? I fucking love this so much. I feel so much better. I felt like a pod failure since my best friend's wedding. Well, that was a long time ago, my man. I know. (laughs) Jake is making bread in the kitchen right now. Uh, aloof of Brett. It's so stupid. It shouldn't make me laugh this hard. She's gone. She's gone. Yeah, she's she's I'm done. Gone. Like she's red. Like she is so. I've never seen Paige this red. It's amazing. 
I'm crying. I'm laughing at her laugh at a loaf of bread. No, I know. Same. Mikey, same. This is so stupid. Well, that brings me to my second joke page. No. Earlier, I took a shower and I used a loaf of a loofah of bread. Thank you, Paige. Good night. That's my type five for bread puns. I don't think you know what a type five is. Uh, it's uh, my favorite. I was going to say a type five is the best you could hope for on the apps. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is really dumb. Well, you, can't, you, can't you know when you hear something so stupid that your brain just can't quite wrap itself around it? Yeah. I would like to put that on the DVD of my comedy special. <laughs> a lo- funnier than a loofah of bread. No. When you hear something so stupid, your brain can't wrap all the way around it. But it's just a picture of Mikey in the shower, like scrubbing himself with a loaf of bread. <laughs> with with the overlay of like that meme of that woman who's like thinking about all the equations. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, so they're all watching the Oscars. And I do like that they're passing around scorecards and talking about like, what do you have for best documentary? I don't have either of you been to an Oscar that. party where people yes. have done it. It's super fun. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. I used to be more into it like 10, 15 years ago. It's weird now because the Academy seems so out of touch. And I think yeah. there was a time when it felt a little more in step with what people had seen. And now it's just really racist <laughs> and di- disjointed. Uh, and, you know, so now it's less fun. But in the past that for me is one of the only bearable ways to watch the oscars is scoring and seeing who's you know got whatever but as they're kind of going through this they're cutting back and forth between inside entertainment outside the oscars with peter malloy who is tom Selleck's character and he's interviewing Whoopi goldberg and then he's interviewing cameron drake who is matt dillon's character and He has as his date one of the models from Head Over Heels. Because, by the way, the models from Head Over Heels have been in more movies on our show than anyone else. I love that. That's like the best fun fact ever. It keeps on giving. It's really funny. But he basically is like, awards are meaningless. Artists shouldn't compete. We should just do our art. And they're like, then why are you here? And he's like, in case I win, duh. <laughs> Which I kind of yeah. like get. Like it's 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 kind of a douchey thing to say, but it's also pretty funny. It's also super honest. Like I agree. Yeah. I think the Oscars are sort of dumb. I, I feel like they're very out of touch. If I was ever nominated for one, I would definitely go. <laughs> yeah, you're like I like just in case I win. Yeah. yeah, you always go to. I mean, like free food and. They don't feed you at the Oscars. You you uh, go to after parties and it's where the food is and you the one that you want to go to is uh the governor's party i just checked to see who the governor was at the time uh and it was pete wilson which is underwhelming uh because no less than six years later if you had gone to the governor's party it would have been arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) yeah remember when california had the terminator as a governor uh and he was not as bad as some other governors Yeah. yeah it's wild it's time is crazy it's a flat circle like a tortilla. Yes. That bread pun didn't do as well. It wasn't a pun. It was just a fact. Yeah. <laughs> you just dropped a statement and then said it was a pun. And Paige is losing your mind about how dumb you are right now. And that's so funny. I'm not me. dumb. I'm a loaf. <laughs> God, I hate yeah, you. Yeah, you, you have about the same brain activity as a loaf of bread. 
That I agree with. <laughs> Am I like a thick doughy bread or like a light and flaky one? I think you know the answer to this, and you don't need me to hurt you. I'm going to take the BuzzFeed quiz. What bread am I? <laughs> hang on, hang on. Okay, well, uh, we're all doing it. <laughs> I honestly feel like we did this already. All right, what did you get, Paige? Marble rye. That's and what I'm I got. I'm okay with that. I'm pretty okay with oh marble rye. Oh, my God. I don't want to talk about what I got. What'd you get, Mikey? You need to. I got vegan biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, it's now all you can ever talk about because it's vegan. <laughs> You're pretty straightforward and like to keep things simple. You aren't all that into complicated ingredients like yeast. <laughs> it's because you're a loaf. <laughs> hey, maybe we should talk about the actual movie, though. Yeah, because we're like an hour in and we've barely touched this movie. Scene two, the Oscars. <laughs> scene two, the Oscars. The Oscar scenes are some of my favorite parts of this movie because they are so tongue-in-cheek where they cut to him for best actor and they're smoking in the audience, which yeah. is hysterical. But also the scenes they show from the movie that he is nominated for oh my is God. <laughs> so hysterical because it's clearly making fun of the way that Hollywood makes movies about gay people and portrays gay people in movies. Yes. Where it's this idea of like, it's an easy way for a straight guy to get an Oscar but it's also not grounded in any sort of reality to what those relationships are like, where it's this whole thing of like, you know, do you love me as a friend or another way? Another way. How, like a brother? No, another way. Like a pen pal? My legs hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's bonkers. And they kind of end it with almost like a Lieutenant Dan kind of like, you know, his the the lover that he saved now has no legs and he's being court-martialed. Um, and the things that they have as air quotes proof of him being gay in this movie is like a romantic letter, a picture of Danny from San Francisco, and then an autographed copy of Beaches. And the amount of like both Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand being a, a, like a red flag for gayness in this movie is both problematic and hilarious at the same time. I didn't think it was funny, too. I mean, the movie seemed to me like a spoof of Born on the Fourth of July. Kind of, yeah. It's like it's like that then mixed with Forrest Gump a little bit, although I think Forrest Gump came out maybe around the same time. as I honestly don't know. But I think it came out in 99. Yeah. So it was out, it, then it, that would have been after this. But I, I, I do love that, like, when they're court-martialing him and they're naming all those things, like the letter to a friend and the other thing, he's like, okay, okay. And then he says the... The thing about Bette Midler, he's like, give that back. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then when when it cuts to the guy like banging the gavel, it says, discharge, dishonorable. And then it cuts to his family and the quote unquote like boyfriend character he saved in war who now has no legs. Who you now see, has no legs. Yeah. You see his mom and his dad and his mom is holding an apple pie in her lap. Yes. And I thought that that was so <laughs> fucking funny. It's so ridiculous that she brought an apple pie to the, her kid's court. Marshall. Well, and then also, then it cuts to them talking to a statue of like, "Am I a true American?" And then Danny, his his like lover, is like, "Dude, that's a statue." <laughs> it's a good thing you're hot because you're an idiot. <laughs> it reminded me of some of the scenes in, and I know this is another very problematic film, Tropic Thunder. Yes, where they're like. 
it's this idea of like to get an Oscar, you must portray something that you're not instead of portraying the reality of someone in that circumstance or having an actor that actually represents that portray that circumstance. But yeah, anyway, he also after he talks to the statue, he's like, I'm moving on into the future and then leaves his lover in the wheelchair at the top of the stairs and he can't get down. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's terrible. This is terrible. But it is I feel like this is meant to spoof the way that Hollywood treats yes. oh, gay stories. Yes, I 100%. Agree. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, but then they read off the rest of the nominees, which is hysterical in its own right, starting with Paul Newman nominated <laughs> for Coot. Coot, that's the name of the movie. The funniest one to me, though, the was... Steven Seagal? That, well, no, Michael Douglas. Oh, who it's Glenn Close announcing it. Yeah. So like, and sh- the movie is called Primary Urges. <laughs> Instead of like, uh, I, oh God, it escapes me. It's um, uh, Fatal Attraction, I think is the, <laughs> the one that they're both in. But yeah, Primary Urges. And then it's Steven Seagal for Snowball, Snowball in, in Hell. hell. Yeah. Hyster- I was dying. I was like, this movie is off to a great start for me. <laughs> By the way, ever since I heard the dollop episodes on Steven Siegel, uh, I refuse to call him Steven Seagal because his name is Steven Siegel. It's so bonkers. Yes. He's left and abandoned so many families. He's been married to like four people at the same time. Yeah, dude is setting up franchises, allegedly. Dude is wild. Yeah. In the worst way. So anyway, Matt Dillon's character wins. He goes up to give his speech and he opens his speech by saying, I'd like to thank my agent and my new, new agent. agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which so this is this is a thing in in Hollywood, depending on how long you've had your agent, like if you are someone who has been nominated a bunch of times, and you've had the same agent the whole time, you'll probably just keep your agent. But it is like a, a running joke that like if you are kind of a newer actor and you get the Oscar that like the next day you sign with a better agent <laughs> where it's like <laughs> you like immediately dump the people that got you there and then you get a new one. Hell yeah. That's what we're going to do. I mean, we're going to win an Oscar <laughs> and then dump our agents. Well, we'll have to get yeah. an agent <laughs> and then an agent dump that us. agent. After we win an Oscar, apparently. Oh, man. But yeah, I'd like to thank my agent and my new agent. Very funny. Yeah. And then he kind of goes through this whole speech of like, you know, I, I, I did this for people who can't date. Like, he just fully does not understand. Like, a, as a straight person, he does not actually connect with this. And he's kind of very surface level until he gets to like, I want to thank my, my teacher in high school because he's gay. And again, every like we flash through all the families watching it and they're all just like, wait, what? Like, what's happening? And so we cut to Kevin Klein, who turns the television off and then throws the remote out the window <laughs> just immediately. It's so funny. Joan Cusack is immediately like, what is he talking about? And Kevin Klein's like, I have no idea. The doorbell rings. His parents are already there. <laughs> like we saw them at another party, but then the doorbell rings seconds later and they're at the door. Like, is there something you want to tell us? Is it about the wedding? I loved it so much. Yeah. And his parents, you know, unfortunately uh, are not as accepting of this potential news uh, initially. And he, he does like, he say like, I'm not that he's been in Hollywood a long time. Maybe he's on drugs. Who knows? Uh, and his mom says, hey, I don't care if, you know, if you are, if you aren't, if you rob a bank, if you kill someone, if you crash a car, 
take out a tower and kill a bunch of people. I just need that wedding. Which <laughs> is such a crazy thing to say. I just need that sweet, sweet wedding. It is crazy. Sweet, sweet wedding. I'll love you no matter what as long as you get married. As long as you get it's married. It's so bonkers. And then Wilford Brimley says like... Diabetes. No. Oh, <laughs> Diabetes. His, his mom says something about like when they lived here, she wasn't active in the PTA, which means nothing, which is crazy. But then Wilford Brimley's like... You know, he used to mow our lawn. Never again. And I'm like, what? I don't think he wants to. <laughs> like, you think he's going to come back and be like, please let me mow your lawn? Their reactions are crazy. Yeah. But essentially, he he denies it. They take Joan Cusack home. Yeah. Uh, the phone rings and he's immediately having to answer to people like, no, I'm not. I don't know why he said it. Like, I, I'm not sure. So we cut to the next day as he's riding his bike to school and the school is surrounded by news cameras and they just descend on him. Like, do you know Ellen? Like, what's going on? Uh, should gays be allowed to handle fresh produce is one of them <laughs> where you're just like, and, and here's the terrible part. It sounds crazy now, but in the 90s, people thought that AIDS was transmissible through like touching a toilet seat and, and stuff. Touch and spit and all that. Yeah. All, so that's yeah. why they're like, should they handle fresh produce? Which is an asinine and very offensive question. But now that we know that's not the case, it the audacity kind of like gives me surprise laughs a little bit. I think that it, that question is included here because... Yeah. Even in 97, they knew that that was ridiculous. But like they're poking fun at all those stupid questions because that that shit was like the 80s. Like there were. Yeah. I remember like. Um, well, you do know that it was literally as recently as a couple years ago that when you were selling your house, you had to disclose if someone with AIDS had lived in that house. What? So really? like it's not even just the 80s. Like it is current. Like, oh, and, and I mean, yeah, literally no. within like the last like five years, basically, like people couldn't give blood and shit. Yeah. What I mean by the 80s was that's when they weren't sure if it was transmitted, you know, via yeah, yeah, touch yeah. or whatever. Like we, that was defined and we knew that in the 80s. It was right. Uh, anyone who was asking those kind of questions was either like really dumb or hurtful and mean like they were it right. was like one of two things right 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 so his students are obviously asking yeah questions and he's like look I, i'm not i'm getting married in three days don't worry about it and then one of his students is like well i could see how he would think that because of all of these stereotypes yeah and he's listing out things that have nothing to do with being gay they just have to do with being well-dressed. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but they can't fathom the mixing of the two. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love in this scene where they're like, yeah, you're just like really well-dressed and clean. So everyone had questions as to whether you were gay or not. And I, I'm here to tell you that I have clean gay friends. I have dirty gay friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have, it's a whole spectrum. Any, <laughs> truly, anyone could be. It has nothing to do with any of this. So the principal comes in, and as he opens the door to the classroom, we get another onslaught of the reporters who are like, gays in the space program, should we allow lesbians on Mars? <laughs> Which is bonkers. <laughs> like, yeah, we're not going to Mars anytime soon. <laughs> And I have no idea why it would matter in the slightest if there were lesbians there. Like, I don't know. Like, I, And I'm sure that was supposed to be kind of a gaze in the military question. Yeah. But, you know, amped up to 11. But, oh, man, I had to pause and laugh at that for a while. It's very funny. It's very funny to me. Uh, but his principal is talking to him who's just like, hey, 
I need you to go call off the dogs and you need to let them know that you're not gay. So he follows him out to ostensibly go talk to the reporters. We cut to the teacher's lounge where all the teachers are just like, he clearly likes Dick. How did we not know? And it's like, <laughs> I do. One of them is, the, oh, oh, hold on. Give me just a sec. Yeah, yeah. Because she is, uh, now she's on Succession and then she was on True Blood for a long time. And I feel like she's one of those actresses who did not get cast in a ton back in the day. And now as an older actress is cast in everything. And I love it. And it was crazy seeing her young here. Yeah. Oh, wild. One of the teachers is named Deborah Monk, who was one of my eighth grade teachers. <laughs> like that that's the name of one of my eighth grade teachers. Yeah. Deborah Monk is now in the Gilded Age. I don't know. I know who that is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. She's still acting. She's still around. So uh, J. Smith Cameron okay. is her name. And she has like a bunch of stuff like smaller roles from a lot of movies and like this era and even like 10 years after. And then she was Shit, on. She plays Jerry in Secession. I know you're talking yes, about. Yes, Jerry from Secession. Yeah. And she's in this young and unknown and it's wild to see her there. But she was also Sam's mom in True Blood. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. But anyway, this is, we see her here and then she ends up being one of the bridesmaids later at the wedding. Yeah. And is like the whole time just like, it's not going to work. <laughs> like he likes Dick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway. So they kind of stop talking as Joan Cusack walks in and they're just like, oh, uh, nothing. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> like, yeah. We definitely weren't talking about you. So we cut back to the students who are all kind of talking about like, you like maybe it's not okay for him to be around us and this is the conversation about it's in the locker room and it's that one student who's like being gay is only okay in prison and space yeah which is first of all wrong but also a bonkers thing to say yeah and his argument for space was because there's zero gravity so you just slip into people on accident while you sleep which i'm just like I don't think that's how that works. This is a, a high school senior who is both dumb and unaware what sex is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. clearly. So uh, he walks in to try and get them to get dressed uh, for class and they all kind of immediately cover up. And he's like, look, I'm, I'm not. Th this isn't this shouldn't be any different. Is, is this why you're acting this way? And they're like, no. And we cut to. After school, he goes to a diner to eat and Tom Selleck has followed him there. Yeah. And he's trying to avoid him because he's like, I'm just tired of talking about this today. Like, yeah, people have been hounding me all day. I'm just trying to live my life. Uh, I do love that. He's like, hey, everyone else is who's trying to get your story is sleazy. And one of the ladies at the counter is like, I don't know. I like Barbara Walters. And he just immediately is like, did she call you? Did Barbara call like, did, you? Did that bitch call <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> That's crazy. So he ducks out and goes to what turns out to be a surprise bachelor party in a bar. Oh, man. I love this scene. This scene, while heavily stereotypes, makes me laugh so hard. It reminds me of, did both of you see the movie Keanu? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where he introduces the entire gang to George Michael. 
that's how I felt yeah. about this scene where they're like, we're going to watch Funny Girl. And he's like, no, like I'm trying to be straight. Yeah. Like we can't. And they're like, you guys are letting me down. Okay, fine. A star is born. No, Yentl. And we find out that he basically held a Barbara Streisand film festival, forced all his friends to go watch. And now they're all like, truly, she is a treasure. I do love that. Like, <laughs> I, I, so, I mean, I don't know. I like all those movies too. And I'm, I'm not gay. <laughs> Thanks, Mikey. Thanks, Mikey. But like, <laughs> I'm certainly not gay, but like, I those movies are pretty excellent. Well, if I win an Oscar, Todd. <laughs> Mikey, I honestly, that's fine if you out me. I'd, I'd be fine with that. It honestly would not change my life at all. Anyway, so he's kind of arguing with them about it. And then one of them just says, well, Yentl sucks anyway. And they get in a huge old fight. And I love it. I love that, too. And that is his barber. Right. And he like gets him in a headlock and rips off his toupee. And I love <laughs> it so much. Oh, his barber in this movie cracks me up. He's only in like three or four scenes, but he chews every single I one. I know. And it's so good. So we cut to kind of a, a, a montage of Tom Selleck interviewing people around town. We, we start with a Jay Leno joke about Michael Jackson getting married again to Howard Brackett because yeah. Jay Leno is notorious for making like tasteless topical jokes on that show in the 90s. Like the things he said about Monica Lewinsky. Holy hell. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, and the OJ trial. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like we and, and here's the thing. I have met him. He's a nice dude. I feel like looking back, he probably wouldn't have done it. I don't know. Anyway, it was a different time. It, it yeah. was a rough time for the media treating people nicely. It was bad. Um, But so he interviews the barber who has a, a clear toupee. Like, that's such an obvious toupee. And I love it. Yeah. And the postal worker who... I love the poster workers like I can't reveal that. Uh, but is this national? Use your full zip code. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, okay. So fun fact about that postal worker. Uh-huh. He is in 1776 the musical. No. Yes. He's uh, his name is uh William Duell, and he's been in a bunch of stuff. He is like a notorious bit part actor from like the I don't know, 60s. Mm. Uh, and he just, as he aged, they kept, they kept putting him in stuff. Like, he's in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. He's in In oh, and geez. Out. He's in a bunch of movies. But he actually has a pretty decent-sized part in 1776, the musical, and I love him. He plays McNair, who is, like, the congressional custodian, and he's wonderful. Anyway, so... Uh, they interview the students and the students are like, no, this is a mistake. And they're like, well, if you had anything to say, they would just be like, Greenleaf rules. <laughs> and then he just finishes it with a community in chaos. Yeah. Which is madness. So we cut to he, uh, Howard, Kevin Klein's character, has a meeting with the principal and he's like, hey, so graduation's coming up and uh, you've kind of thrust us into the spotlight and people have been calling to ask if you're a homosexual and, um, you know, do you enjoy teaching? And he's basically threatening him. And, and he's like, are you threatening me? And he's like, friends don't threaten. And they warn. Yeah, friends warn. They warn. Yeah. But on, no, this is a clear threat. And basically the implication is if you get married, you can keep your job. Yeah. But if you don't, you're fired. By the way, this guy's Bob Newhart, too. So it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, he's, it stinks extra hard. It does. Yeah, I mean, this is a terrible conversation. It's terrible. But like. I sort of love Bob Newhart and Bob Newhart 
is playing it in a very sort of interestingly silly way. So it's like, even though he's having this, like, what would now be an illegal conversation. Yeah. Uh, until the Supreme Court makes it not illegal. Only a matter of time. I think it depends on your state right now. In in some cases, for some stuff, it does. Well, I mean, but, Mikey, you and I you know. work in an, an at-will employment state, so they wouldn't say it's because he's gay to fire him. They would say it's because we don't need you anymore. Yeah. And that's legal because we're in an at-will state because we're a Republican-led state, so unions don't exist here. So, like, the middle class here and, like, job protections is just fucked for us. Well, that's, I mean, hey, California is an at-will state, too. Yeah. Uh, but California is also really super into protected classes. So it, he would probably still get fired, but probably for a different reason, like, air quotes, attendance. Sure. Uh, but then he would have uh, a lot of grounds to sue and probably would make a lot of money. Yeah. Or people would be too afraid to fire him because of the lawsuits. Anyway, so... We cut to he goes to a confessional to try and kind of ask for guidance. And I think this is really an interesting scene because he hasn't really so far in the movie confronted the idea that he might be gay and he might have just not been open with himself about it. He's still in in the mode of like, everyone's asking me, should I still get married? Everyone's saying he's gay, but he's not gay is what he's saying in this scene. Yeah. And he kind of gets to the point where he's like, well, we've been together for three years and she's so sweet and so thin, which I hated. But yeah, uh, he's like, and we don't have a physical relationship. And the priest is like, oh, he's gay. <laughs> which again... Not not an indicator. Could be asexual, could have other preferences, whatever. Or he could just be super religious. Like I know a lot of people who didn't have sex until they got married. Like that's there's nothing wrong with that inherently. Although I do love that the priest is like, oh, th- your friend, quote unquote, has gotta go smash immediately. Yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta go find out, yeah. basically. Uh so he rushes home and he like pushes her up against the wall kissing and he's like who's gay now and Richard Simmons is still on the TV I do love he's like ah turn that off <laughs> And this scene really makes me sad because this is where she talks about, I transformed myself for you. Like, I got skinny, but do you want me to start eating again? I will. I'm very fragile. And I was just like, no, never. Don't do this for other people (laughs) like this. No, this is not. This is disordered eating and it's not good. It is not great. Right. He leaves. And a reporter, the the reporter, Tom Selleck, almost runs him off the road because uh, he's on his bike. The reporter's in a car. And he basically is like, you're ruining my life. Like, this is, you're turning me into a story. This is terrible. And he's like, well, I'm I'm kind of pushing this story because I am also gay and I'm out. And when I came out, I was so scared of it, but nothing really happened. Like, the people I loved loved me back. Which is great that his, that was his experience, but you cannot guarantee that someone else's experience should be the same, and you have to let them come out at their own pace if they ever choose to. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but as part of trying to convince him that he's gay, he kisses him, and <laughs> immediately, like, his knees go weak. Yeah. He throws a leg <laughs> around his waist, which is very funny to me. I love that leg throw, man. It's so funny. Because he does the leg pop so that you funny. see in, like, every rom-com, right? Mm-hmm. And then right. he does the just... He like throws one leg around him and pulls him in. And we've all like been there either on the pulling or the receiving end of the pull. And it's good either way. <laughs> um, Mikey, have you never had the pull? Oh, I've had the pull. Oh, oh okay. 
All right. The pull apart rolls at whatever the restaurant was earlier. Rafferty's? You mean like. <laughs> Rafferty's is great. Rafferty's is barely better than O'Charlie's, Mikey. And you need to admit Again, this. Again, I have no idea what either of these places are. They're honestly and- mediocre restaurants. Like they're not even good places, Paige. Oh, man. But when you come here, we will make you go to Rafferty's and Las Palmas. But anyway, the pull is what I call first base. <laughs> What's your fourth base, sir? Fourth base is marriage. <laughs> hey, okay, what's second, third, and shortstop? Pregnancy. <laughs> shortstop is pregnancy. Yeah. Home run is splitting the bills. Home run and fourth are the same. Have you ever thrown a leg? No. I've done it and received it. There are times when men got to throw leg, baby. Like, it happens. <laughs> if I threw a leg over someone, we would collapse and she would die. <laughs> <laughs> Benefits of being a... What do you call me? Skinny, titty, baby, baby bitch? We're not starting that again. We just got cleared on the Facebook group. We're not a troubled group. I've had a double leg throw. I was throwing legs because he picked me up by the waist and threw me against a wall. And then you catch with the leg. My move is a pick up by the waist, walk to the bedroom, toss to the bed. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. And then I'd shut the door and then I'd go. <laughs> now think about what you did. <laughs> i go get a Frosty. <laughs> <laughs> There's a library in there. You'll be fine. Yeah. Read a book. Oh, I'm not going to make love with you on the first date. I'm going to eat a Frosty and cool off. I'm going to kidnap you for 365 days. Mikey comes back with like a Frosty and like he's dipping fries in it like. My grandma thinks I'm attractive. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're still here? The weirdest thing to say at that would be like, you come home, and you're like, oh, I thought that was a dream. <laughs> I've been in here for four days. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, so they stop kissing, and he's like, yo, this is not Los Angeles. <laughs> like, we can't just kiss out in the open here. And as they're having that conversation, his parents pull up with the wedding cake in the car. Yes. Uncovered. Just sitting in the back And the seat. window is down. There's no way that cake is not covered <laughs> with bugs. <laughs> not just covered with bugs. It's just splattered all over the back. Unless it's a fake cake. It might be a fake cake. Oh, I'm sure in real life it's a fake cake. Like, it's a set. You know, it's a movie. Oh, no, but, but I mean, some people get fake cakes for their wedding because it's cheaper what is fondant except crushed bugs? grief persevering <laughs> i don't think fondant tastes that good buttercream forever yeah i hate fondant i really don't like it <laughs> it's not good it's not i mean i honestly don't like cake i will not have well we'll have a cake at the wedding but like i will not eat it there's gonna be brownies also at the wedding i mean yeah brownies brownies are way better than cake fight me shout out to them uh, our sponsor Publix. For their raspberry <laughs> celebration cake. I do I do love brownies, but I also love cake. But like I can't recommend enough multiple different kinds of cakes and don't give a fuck about them being stacked or whatever because like having different kinds of cake was the best choice I could have made at my wedding. Because yeah. people tried multiple cakes. We had like none left over. It like we had basically the perfect amount and everyone was raving about it and how much they loved all the cakes. It worked out great. I'm sure that's true. I just don't like cake. It's not really my favorite thing. Yeah, I do love brownies, though. They're so good. You could also stack brownies into tears. But then it's just one brownie. That's just one brownie. You sometimes have like a groom's cake and a like wedding cake. <laughs> I would have a wedding yeah. cake and groom's brownies, and that's what I would eat. They did have chili at our wedding, and my sister ate it out of a coffee mug on the dance floor. It was just like on the dance floor with a coffee mug full of chili. You have never mentioned your family. Like, it's never not made me love them more every time you mention your family. I'm like, fuck, I love everything about your family. I'm so glad to be a part of it. We're still processing the paperwork, but we'll let you know. My one note about your family is that it's like you guys got to get better at clerical work. 
I do appreciate you uh, no notarizing my letter. You're welcome. This just hurts my feelings a lot. Hey, Mikey, do you want to go crash a wedding here in a month? One hundred percent. It's just Mikey and me outside at a table, like just sitting there waiting to come in. It's gonna be great. I did finally get my my bridesmaid dress. If you want to see it, I do want to see it. Oh, that's pretty. That is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It's like a green, like flowy, beautiful dress. Yes. I'm sure you'll see it on Instagram around the time of Aaron's wedding. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and if you look out the window in those photos, you'll see Mikey and me out there holding signs that say, congratulations, please let us in. <laughs> we <laughs> want brownies. <laughs> so their backseat is painted with cake. And he takes the opportunity to rush home to prepare because it's a formal wedding. And he runs home and gets a package from under the bed. And it's a tape and a book that say exploring your masculinity. Now, I think this is the movie telling us something after the fact where, you know, confessional, he seemed like he was like, I'm not gay. So what do I do? But in this scene, because he's got these tapes, it seems like maybe he has contemplated it before. Oh, I definitely think he has. Yeah. Where this is not a surprise. And maybe this has been him not willing to admit to others, but also himself. So thus proceeds one of the most both stereotypically offensive but also pretty funny scenes. Yes. And funny for different reasons because it does play on stereotypes, which is not great. But the funniest part for me in this scene is that the tape seems to anticipate his actions. And that to me is hilarious. That is, honestly, I agree with you. This stereotypical stuff is not great. It doesn't hold up well, but this scene is very funny. Oh yeah. Because it's like everything he does, it's like the tape knows. Yeah. And that cracks me up. Yes. And and it's a joke that's played a few different ways, a couple different times in this scene. And it gets almost funnier every single time <laughs> where it's like, how could it possibly know? <laughs> it's like, you hate this, don't you? You want to be neat and tidy. And you're just like, First of all, that's a ridiculous, like, that doesn't mean anything, but it's funny that the tape goes, like, (laughs) the idea that they would have pre-recorded that was very funny. It's so great, yeah. But he ends up dancing to Gloria Gaynor's uh, I Will Survive, which is great, because it says that men don't dance, which is bullshit. Men dance. I dance. Gay, straight, all of the above. I dance at weddings. Like, that's the only place that you'll see me dance, but I will lose my mind dancing at a wedding, because it's fun. You play your cards right. I'll send you to seventh base because I give you a dance. Wait, after you knock someone up and marry them? You cannot dance with someone until after you marry them and have a child, Paige. It's right there. Are you and- one of the Ponape brothers? Like, how is that possible? Like, <laughs> They definitely danced before they got people pregnant. It's right that there in numerology, book 14. <laughs> Oh, numerology is such bullshit. <laughs> numerology is just about all the bases. No, numerology is basically biblical QAnon. It's it's essentially <laughs> when people are like, well, if you go to the Bible and add two plus three minus the 40 years walking in the desert, it means that President Trump will ascend the throne again in 2024. Like, it's that's the kind of craziness that numerology gets into. Look, if you are starting to question my faith where I go and QAnon, a book of the Bible, and decide that I don't give a lap dance until we're married and have children, I just need you to respect my freedom of my amendment rights. (laughs) Freedom of my amendment rights? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. I think, you know, like, we all granted the right for a free, well-regulated Mikey. (laughs) 
I would like you to be more well-regulated, yes. That's why I take fiber. I, I, I don't know what <laughs> is happening, but I'm terrified. I don't know. We tumbled down a crazy Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole. <laughs> anyway, I do, I, it did crack me up that the tape says, men have bad backs. They do not dance. That was funny, yes. Oh, man. Kick someone. Bite someone's ear. Think about John Wayne. Arnold doesn't dance. He can barely walk. <laughs> that was hilarious. I thought it was very funny. Oh, my God. Very funny. So we cut to the next day at the wedding. And as they're getting her dressed, this is where her Jerry from Succession is like, do you have an attorney? Yeah. (laughs) But she's like one of the bridesmaids. (laughs) And then then the little flower girl is just, my mom says it won't last. Well, your mom's an alcoholic. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) So fucking funny. I love it so much. Yeah. So good. Um, and Tom Selleck is at the wedding in the back of the room. Yeah. Joan Cusack comes down the aisle. The wedding starts. They get through the section with objections. No one objects. The priest gets into, let us remember, we've got the deepest love and absolute honesty. Do you take this man? She says, I do. And then they get to him and they're like, do you take her to be your wife? And he just says, I'm gay. Yeah. And she's like, you're what? He's gay. I heard it. Well, what he meant to say was, he's like, no, mom and dad. I'm gay. Yeah. And they go back into the bride room where usually if you have a wedding venue or a venue that does a ton of weddings, they usually have a room for the bride to get dressed. And it's usually like right off the side. So that's where they go. And she basically launches into the like, I lost 75 pounds for you. And I'm like, again, girly, your body, your your temple, don't make any don't let anyone force you to lose weight you don't want to lose yeah and launches into this whole like how dare you why didn't you lie to me was there any other time you could have told me this (laughs) and it's one of those things where you feel terrible because this is what a terrible day for her but also i'm like better today than five years from now and better that he finally got it out like i understand that it is rough for everybody and she's upset i get that she's upset i understand why but i still like when tom Selleck later says like you're saving her from a life of being with someone who can't love her the way that she wants to be loved because it wouldn't be honest it wouldn't be true to you yeah it is sad and it's terrible what happens to her character in this movie but to me it's sad that it lasted this long not that it ended right right Right, exactly three years is a long time without physical touch Yeah. yeah yeah it's a long time but i also I, I feel like he was clearly struggling and on a journey of his own. And and I will always say, like, even if you are running away the day of the wedding, which sounds terrible, it sounds like it ruins people's lives. Yeah. The only thing that could ruin their lives more is going through with it and having it be a bad decision. So, like, run on the day of the wedding if that's what it has to be. Because, like, you know, don't do it later when there's more paperwork. Come on. I mean, that's why Jerry from Secession asked, do you have a good attorney? Do you have a good attorney? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My mom says it won't last. Well, your mom's an alcoholic. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so she takes off in their car and her like gathering the dress up into the front seat of the car. Hysterical. Uh, She drives away. He runs outside the church and he ends up talking to Tom Selleck and he's like, I just destroyed her life. I feel terrible. I like my parents are upset. And Tom Selleck is like, no, you saved her from what could have been worse. You were honest and it's tough right now, but you were honest. And he's mad because there's still a film camera in his face, which is also not great. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, all of that was on camera because Tom Selleck's cameraman was also in the chapel with Tom Selleck. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and it he ends up punching Tom Selleck because <laughs> honestly, I do feel like he's kind of shitty. He he's shitty, but he also feels like he was forced out of the closet and it was maybe not his time and he maybe was not prepared to confront that or yeah. whatever. Um, but meanwhile, back in Hollywood, Matt Dillon's character, Cameron Drake, sees him on the news and is like, oh my God, this was my fault. Yeah. I have to go do something. Yeah. And there is another eating disorder joke in this scene where his model girlfriend says, no, I was supposed to go to this thing tonight. I have to shower and vomit, which is real upsetting. Yeah. Don't love it. But... We cut to his students all in kind of that like basement where they all hang out where they're all like, so he was gay the whole time, but like he was also like we loved him as a teacher. Like he was a great teacher. Like this shouldn't impact. And they have kind of this like short but contentious conversation between themselves where they're like, it didn't it didn't make him a worse teacher or anything. He was still great to us. Essentially. Yeah. We cut back to the wedding venue or the reception venue where Debbie Reynolds and all her friends are sitting around in what looks like it would have been a kick-ass 90s wedding. Like, yeah. this wedding looks amazing. I'm kind of bummed we don't fully see it. Or we kind of do later, I guess. Yeah. But I And she says, I can understand about him being gay, but I can't understand how he could not want a wedding. <laughs> but the, And there was a part of me that's like, he probably does when he meets the right person, you know, like whatever. Well, at this point, he it couldn't can't get married. Yeah, which is sad. You could but... have a civil ceremony, but yeah. not. And this is where all of her friends go around saying truths that they've been afraid to share. And the first one is my Rice Krispie tr treats are not my recipe. They're this dead woman's that I stole, yeah. <laughs> which is very funny to me. That's a dead woman's treats. A dead woman's <laughs> treats. The next one is like, I hated Bridges of Madison County. And then the third one is my husband has three testicles and it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, and everyone laughs. And were you picturing it like two with one behind or in front or like no. a, a total recall scenario? Yep, that's what I was three thinking. Three in a row. Just three in a row. <laughs> yep. Get your balls to Mars. <laughs> I love Total Recall. I do too. I, w I wish. I know. I know. We should do that third podcast at some point. That action movie podcast. That makes me tired. So we cut back to his house where he's sitting alone and Wilford Brimley comes home to bring him a slice of wedding cake from his mom. And he asks him, are you going to have an operation? Which I was like, for what? <laughs> like, he's gay. Like, I don't understand. And it's clearly that his dad doesn't understand. Yeah. Well, I did like that his dad's like, I'm a farmer. Like, I don't know. I'm in way over my know. head. I, I, but it's clear that like Walter Bromley like loves Kevin Klein. Like he loves his son. Right. Like, yeah, it's, of yeah. Course. Well, and he, he asks, he's like, will you go to graduation tomorrow? And he's like, well, they fired me yeah. basically as soon as I left the church. And his dad's like, that's not right. You taught those kids. If you're not there, what are they going to think? Basically, like, you should be there for them to support the kids. Fuck what everyone else says. And then he, as he leaves, he said, did Barbara do something to you? As in, did Barbara Streisand make you gay? <laughs> Which is such a bonkers, crazy question. I sort of loved it, though. No, no, no. I read that. I read that in Neuterology. Neuterology? That's how you get negative three testicles. <laughs> <laughs> what they do is they take your third testicle, cut it up, and then use divination to figure out the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they mix it with some like bird bones and yeah. like toss some dice and see what happens. I'm sorry. I rewatched Rome on HBO and they do that some in that in that show. I so, should do that. So good. <sighs> I loved Rome. Yeah, it was really good. Rome was so good. So we cut to Cameron Drake and his model girlfriend have arrived at a local motel and she is not handling it great. 
And he is basically going to go find Mr. Beckett. And he says, there's a diner down the block. Eat something. I beg of you. You look like a swizzle stick. Which is not great because as much as I am not here for fat shaming, also not here for skinny shaming. I'm not here for body shaming of any types. Yeah, I mean, body shaming can go either way. Sort of like when you guys call me a skinny bitch. Shut you fucking swivel switch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, swing and a miss, my man. Swing and a miss. What's a swizzle stick? A swizzle stick is uh, the thing you use to stir a mixed drink. Yeah, you stupid crazy straw. Anyway, he leaves his model girlfriend in the motel and she doesn't know how to dial a phone, which is pretty funny. We cut to the local roadhouse where Joan Cusack rolls up and is like, give me drinks and someone fuck me, please. Yeah. I don't care about anything anymore. I spent three years with someone who didn't touch me. Somebody fucking touch me. And Tom Selleck sits next to her because he's slimy and wants the story. And she's just like, am I repulsive? And he's like, no, this is about him, not you. Right. You're wonderful. He should have told you years ago. And she's like, Will you sleep with me? And he's like, I'm gay. And she's like, Is everybody? I love the way they do that, though, because they cut to it outside from like a huge wide shot. So, like, you see the entire bar from the outside, right? Exterior shots, you might call them. And she walks out, opens both doors, and just yells into the night. It was so fucking funny. Well, and she walks out into the street and she's like literally trying to wave cars down, like, Will you marry me? I already have the dress, which is a crazy thing to say. But very sad. It made me very sad for her. And she waves down a car, ends up kind of flopping onto the front of it. It turns out it's Cameron. Now, we know from earlier in the movie that she helped tutor Cameron and Shakespeare and they read Romeo and Juliet to each other when she was a student teacher, which to me was like she was maybe 22 and he was like 18, which is still not great. But now they are both considerably far from high school and adults and it's probably not a crazy age difference yes i did not have a problem with them hooking up or i'm perhaps being together like i I had no problem with it at this point at this point yes because i feel like they are both grown-ups who went out into their respective worlds and then came back and met again and that just happens sometimes It, it absolutely does like um my high school girlfriend when she was in college got pregnant by someone who was the student teacher at our school. Oh, no. She was a year ahead of me. Okay. And he was a student teacher at our school my senior year. So she was already in college, did not meet him until she was at college. And so like, okay. that, it just wasn't a problem, you know, like it wasn't weird, really. It was a funny story, but it wasn't weird, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Second base. What is your baseball metaphor? Like, <laughs> I need you to write out all of the 17 bases you have. At this point, it's closer to basketball than baseball. I, know, right? I don't understand. It might be cricket. I don't know anything about cricket. I want us to take a time out because head cannon. Oh, okay. Matt Dillon outs him, comes to steal his wife. Because he's still mad. <laughs> you think about it was intentional? About him getting nominated from the beginning of the movie. It absolutely well, he wasn't was. there to see that joke. Oh, he had spies. Okay. I honestly think it was Matt Dillon's master plan the entire time. He's like, I got to go to Hollywood. I got to win an Oscar. That way I can Uh break them up by outing him. And Uh then I could swing in and pick up the pieces. (laughs) His real name? Kaiser Sose. (laughs) (laughs) Kaiser Roll Sose. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was teaching yeast how to rise. I was going to say, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was toasting bread. It's delicious. (laughs) 
Honestly, it the is. The best trick the devil ever taught me to play. <laughs> what <laughs> what did you just say? What the fuck, Mikey? Like, what are you saying with your mouth right now? This is not the greatest loaf in the world. No. no. This is just a tribute. The greatest trick the devil played on us was teaching me how to do fifth base. What's fifth base? <laughs> we are on a podcast. I can't talk about it. It's dinner and a movie. Why is that after you get them pregnant and get married? Mikey does not date you until you're pregnant with his baby and you've been married for six months. That's when he unchains you from his bed and takes you out of the house on a date. Oh, I don't understand why you got to give such a hard stance on traditionalism. (laughs) You know, Mikey, the guy on the podcast who stands for traditional family values. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's me. From Deuterology. Deuterology is where you poop and then like divine the future from your shit. This just sounds like the SNL sketch about Scientology that's Neurotology. I'm into it. Anyway, the joke I was trying to make was it was a conspiracy theory against this high school teacher, but we got there. Anyway, he recognizes her and is like, what happened to your body? And then she says... I was fat and I swore I'd become someone else, but now I'm more miserable than ever and I'm starving. Which like, I was actually really glad the movie included that because I was like, finally, this movie admitting that just purely being skinny does not make you happy, that it is not connected, that you have to fix the inside and then the outside can be whatever. And so he then is like, why did you change? You were so beautiful. Like you still are. You always are. Yeah. And then he says, skinny girls are so annoying sometimes. And I'm like, this is so close to being good, but it's not like it's <laughs> it's still body shamey. It's not great. Right? I know you're the last woman at this bar crying in a wedding dress, but <laughs> <laughs> give me 10 minutes to rewrite these sets of lines and it would be wonderful. But like it's because it's so close. Like we've clearly set up like there's hints that he is into bigger girls earlier in the movie. Yeah. And then this kind of hammers at home. And so like you could absolutely make this better and kinder and they don't, which is kind of a bummer. But then they start reciting the Romeo and Juliet balcony speech to each other, which is very sweet. It is very sweet. Yes. She taught it to him. They call that grooming page. (laughs) <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I actually did sort of like this. I'm just joking. Like I, I, I don't know. I had no problem with it. Anyway, and they end up dancing in the middle of the street, which is very sweet. Yeah, but also dangerous. Nah, yes. traffic's not a big problem in this one horse town. It's fine. Anyway, we cut to he's in his classroom and it's empty, and he runs into the one student he helped get into college. And he says, like, good luck next year. But we cut to graduation. He's not on stage. There's just an empty chair where he would have been. And I did think it was funny that they recited the school's motto in Latin. And it was study, learn, leave. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize that, but that's amazing. (laughs) That was really funny to me. Um, But so he comes and sits on the stage. And I'm like, good for you. <laughs> yes. But then they go to announce the teacher of the year. And it's this dude that no one likes. <laughs> like, no one gives a shit. Right. I did love his speech. He's like, Hoosiers, 
What oh, is a Hoosier? Is a Hoosier. <laughs> and that's the only part of the speech we ever get. And he starts it twice. Like he, he tries to restart it later. Oh, it's so dumb. I love it. It's so funny. Um, but Cameron Drake interrupts graduation and he's basically like, oh, so you fired him because he's gay? And they're like, no, the community wanted. And they try to kind of like pawn it off on the community yeah I did, I did like that his brother stands up and is like well I'm a member of the community and I don't mind that he's gay and Bob Newhart's like well he's your brother he's like oh yeah right <laughs> uh, well and the one student stands up and, and says that he's gay and kind of everyone kind of follows suit it's the Spartacus moment yeah it's the I'm Spartacus moment yeah. which I think is not quite what this scene needed to be honest with you it, it muddies with the metaphor you. a bit <laughs> honestly like I feel like it would have been more impactful if like they all stood up and were like, I don't care that he's gay, you know, like either that or I would have taken that one student, the one that we know he has kind of a very close friendship with. The one who got the scholarship that like Kevin yes. Klein took him to the college and all that stuff. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That one student saying I'm gay and he made me feel comfortable enough to tell you. OK, something like that. I yeah. would have been OK with that, too. And, and I think they're trying to make this a we as a community accept him and love him for who he is. Yeah. It's just a little odd the way they do it. I, I think I would have preferred them being like, no, we love him. Yeah. You know, or whatever. But anyway. But for 25 years ago. Great. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I do like Bob Newhart trying to explain. He's like, it's a gonad thing. I mean, a grown up thing. <laughs> You're like, what? Bob Newhart is so. I don't know. He's just very, very good at this sort of thing. Like even in the credits when they're dancing at the like post wedding, we'll get to the, right. what it is. Right. Right. But like they're doing the conga line and right. Kevin Klein is holding on to Bob Newhart's hips like you do in a conga line. Uh -huh. And Bob Newhart looks so uncomfortable and it's so <laughs> fucking funny. And it's like a shot they only used for the credits. Like and he's just like right. giving it a thousand percent. Love Bob Newhart. I do love that they go around town and people admit other things about themselves where she's like, I run the bridal barn and he has perfect taste. I'm Howard Stylus and I'm bald. Yeah. <laughs> like, he rips his own toupee off. Yeah. Well, and then the volunteer fire brigade stands up and they just go, yay. <laughs> um, but essentially Cameron Drake gives him the Oscar yes. and they play like the Oscar theme. The band does yeah. which is pretty funny. That's the most unrealistic thing about this whole thing is that they've played a really good Oscar theme. There wasn't like, a yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but we cut to a wedding and at first we don't know whose wedding it is. Uh, and he's talking to Tom Selleck, who is also there in a suit. Yeah. And he's like, so you're not filming this. He's like, no, this is, the important it doesn't need to be this is more important than showbiz and we cut to the actual wedding and it's his parents renewing their vows so his mom can have the wedding she wants and i support this a million percent Same. instead of forcing other people to get married renew your fucking vows live your life do whatever you want to do Paige, will it surprise you at all if i admit that i fully like was weeping when they revealed it was the mom and dad renewing oh, their vows i was, I was clapping like for them i was super excited but when the in the scene at graduation where the one student stands up and i thought for sure he was gonna be like i'm gay he's the reason i felt comfortable comfortable telling you right. or whatever i started crying and then it became kind of a weird comical scene and i was like oh maybe not um <laughs> i'm gonna take these tears back which is base 12 mikey that's when you, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. when you don't cry anymore no right. base 12 is where you take a pepper grinder potato peeler <laughs> and you make oh well that sounds horrible mikey 
Mikey, I think you <laughs> yeah, should talk yeah, to yeah. someone. And Todd, we need to talk about the podcast right Immediately. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that's legal, Mikey. You know, I, I'm tired of you people, low carb. What do you mean, you people? Oh, the low carb people. Okay, okay, okay. The Atkins, if you will. <laughs> anyway, so we cut to the reception. Everyone's dancing. We kind of get shots of everybody. So Cameron and Emily seem to end up together, and she's eating cheesy poofs, and I love this for her. Yes. Uh, although I do th- still think she should talk to someone about her relationship with food and exercise. Well, well yeah, but also she was in a pretty tra- being left she on the should, altar for any reason is pretty traumatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the model ends up with his brother, and... The ending song that they're dancing to is Macho Man, and that's pretty fun. It is. And that's the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, how do you guys feel about in and out Definitely problematic elements. Sure. Definitely some stereotype issues. Wish there were more actual gay people in it. Yeah. But I, it is very funny, and I it did is, enjoy it watching it quite a bit today. Yeah, it made me feel yeah. nice. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I was really, really shocked at how well it held up, knowing that it's a 90s movie about a gay relationship or someone coming out, really. When I think about it, like this really isn't a romantic comedy so much because Kevin Klein doesn't fall in love with Tom Selleck. Like, I don't really think they end up together at the end of this movie. I don't movie. think they should. Me either. But like, it's more about, I guess Tom Selleck is there because he's a reporter and he does sort of talk to him about how, hey, it seems like it's going to be the end of the world. It's going to open up a whole new world. Like, right. he does sort of give him the confidence to come out, I think, on some level. But there really isn't, I don't feel like, romantic chemistry there. Like, Tom Selleck does kiss him, but I feel like that's more to prove a point than it is to, like, hook up, you know? Right. Which yeah. I sort of like about the movie. Do you think that Debbie Reynolds and Wilford Brimley are still together? Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Because I think that one of them is the thing. <laughs> just at the wedding reception, there's just a noose in the background. We we've got all the blood it, cuts. We can't let it escape. <laughs> <laughs> we can't the whole world. With diabetes. Probability <laughs> of total world infection. <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> but Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I have a few. I, a handful. Well, here it is with your fun facts. Kevin Small Klein, handful fun of facts. fun facts. A lot of the, the trivia that people have listed online for this movie is just like, all these people were in it and went on to be in other things. And I'm like, yes, there's a million famous people in this movie. That's not really trivia. We watched the movie. I know. And I love, because you find those on like IMDb and you're like, yeah, I know. I'm looking at IMDb. Right. You don't have to also give me the same information I would find on this website. Right. Yeah. So the Oscar statuette used in the film is Kevin Klein's. What? Uh, it's the one. He, yeah, it's the one he won in yes. 1989 for his performance in A Fish Called Wanda. That's amazing. That's a good movie, too. Yeah. Uh, so the disco group Village People would originally not give them the permission to use Macho Man, which is used multiple times in the movie. Really? Okay. So the studio was able to get the rights for a cover. So they had a disco, disco tribute band called the Boogie Knights, and that's Knights, K-N-I-G-H-T. You mean K-N-I-T, Paige? K-N-I-T is uh, how you yeah. spell K-N-I-T? Knights? If I learned anything from me and our A Knight's <laughs> Tale episode, it's K-N-I-T. K-N-I-T. Because I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Anyway, the, the Boogie Knights were hired to record a cover version, and that's what they had in the early edits. However, the village people heard the cover and were like, Fuck no. And <laughs> then let them use the actual song. So the Boogie Nights version was never used. I love that, though. So the high school where this was shot, uh, Pompton Lakes High School in New Jersey, 
has left a lot of the features of what was added for this movie in place. So the the building looks almost identical to the way that it looked during filming cool. today. Okay. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So Joan Cusack and Matt Dillon are actually only two years apart in real life, and they actually have played cast, they've played classmates and age contemporaries multiple times in other movies. Okay. And most notably My Bodyguard in 1980. Uh, but so they Joan Cusack's been asked about it in this movie. She says she was a student teacher somewhere between 20 and 22. And that's why they're so close in age. So she that's how she explains it. Do you know what the age difference is between Joan Cusack and Kevin Klein is? Uh, I'm sure it's sizable. What is it? So Cusack, uh, Joan Cusack, excuse me, was born in 1962. Kevin Klein was born in 1947. Oh, 47. Yeah, so they're 15 years apart, which honestly is not the biggest difference we've had on this show before, but it's still pretty sizable. It's no Dr. Dan Schell. Exactly. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with him. I do think Tom Atkins is the perfect man, so I agree, (laughs) but I do feel like he should date more age-appropriate women. Well, he does in real life because his actual wife was in that movie, remember? Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. At the time. So, (laughs) Debbie... (laughs) Debbie Reynolds agreed to be in this movie because of her relationship with Frank Oz, who had worked with her daughter extensively in all of the Star Wars movies and a handful of other things. Right. Because if you don't know, that's Princess Leia's mom. Yeah. Yeah. And Frank Oz has also actually worked with Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord. So he's actually worked with all three. So granddaughter, daughter, and mother. That's awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Damn right, Mikey. Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, the Roadhouse Bar they used is an exterior. It's the Homestead Restaurant in Sparta, New Jersey. And it looks almost exactly like that. They just changed the sign. And then the interior was a closed bar that had been closed for years that they just like shot things in over time. So you'll see it in a handful of other movies as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so the opening sequence, the one that runs through the credits, is actually of Clinton, New Jersey. And you can actually see a, a little bit of Red Mill on the left. So like Red Mill grain and, and things like that. Like Bob's Red Mill, the food company. So if you're super into flour and care about different kinds of flour, you might have noticed that in this film. All right. There you go. Uh, the actor who plays Matt Dillon's lover in the fake film To Serve and Protect uh, makes a reference to Bette Midler because it's it's beaches in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but he actually goes on to play Miller's ex-husband in the First Wives Club the year before this movie is made. No shit. So, yeah. That's great. <laughs> it's kind of, It's kind of a fun little... Well, in joke, but those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk some box office. So, what do you think the budget for In and Out was in 1997? $10 million? I'm going to go 15. Okay. Paige, you're closer, but you're still off by $20 million. It was $35 Damn. million. That's because there's so many people in this. Well, and all of them are stars. If you adjust that for inflation, that's $63 million today. Now, again, in 97, it was only $35 million. It did come out September 19th, 1997, and it was number one at the box office the week it wow. came out, which I was a little surprised by that. I'm surprised about all of this. Yeah. 
yeah. So, okay. And it beat, obviously, In-N-Out was number one that weekend. It beat The Game, which is a great Michael Douglas movie. The Game was number two. That's the one where he gets, like, kidnapped, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sean yeah. Penn, Michael. It's really yeah, good. Yeah. It's really good. Um, Wes Craven's Wishmaster was number three that week. L.A. Confidential, which I know is a little problematic now because of Kevin Spacey, but is also a great movie, was number four. That movie's fantastic. It is really good. And that movie came out that weekend. Oh, wow. Anyway, sorry. Um, and so did Wishmaster. Um, now, the full Monty was also. Let's not, let's oh, not the put full Wishmaster. Monty was out this same week. Yeah, let's not. Wishmaster is. Wishmaster and the, LA Confidential are not the same league of film. As far no. as box office is concerned, in their opening week, Wishmaster was better. I, can't. I haven't seen Wishmaster. I have no idea, but it beat LA Confidential in its first week out. And then number five was The Full Monty, and The Full Monty had been out for six weeks. That was a slow burner. Yeah. yeah. Other notable movies that were out at this time G.I. Jane was seven, Money Talks was eight, Air Force One was nine. Oh, Air Force One. Men in Black was 13. George of the Jungle was 14. Hercules was 15. George of the Jungle. I'm going to do that on this show at some point. There were so many like big movies in the theaters. Con Air was out this weekend. Anyway, whatever. Con Air. I know. I know. I know. So uh, anyway, what do you think in an out made and it's opening weekend? And again, it was September 19th, 1997. And it was number one. Well, a double double animal style with fries is going to be somewhere (laughs) between $18. I'm going to say opening weekend, 22. Okay. Okay. Shit. That was really close. I'm going to say 23. All right, it was actually $15 million. Uh, the next closest movie was at $9 million. Okay. And it's interesting, In and Out was in less theaters than both the number two and number three movie that weekend. And it still won. Well, there are places that wouldn't show it, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of those places were in the South. Although I remember seeing this in the theaters. Really? So like it did, it played in Nashville for sure. Now, Telahoma or places just outside Nashville, I'm sure they skipped in and out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I remember seeing the cover in Blockbuster all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like when you picked it, I'd never seen it, but I, I'd seen the cover. The yeah, cover is absolutely. Famous. So it was in the theaters for a total of 19 weeks. But what do you think it made domestically at the box office in those 19 weeks? I'm going to say 45. Five. Okay. I'm going to say 115. Wow. Okay, Mikey, that's a little bit high. Uh, it made $63.8 million domestically and then 19.4 internationally for a total of $83.2 million. And if you adjust that for inflation, it's almost $150 million today. It made pretty good money, man, which good. is also surprising for me. I mean, a lot of movies that feature a gay story, even today don't always make a lot of money yeah which is sad but this one did this one made a lot of money anyway that's your box office so this week i made you all watch in and out and you're welcome honestly Paige, it's your turn next week so what are you making us watch it's my turn uh and if you are in the united states and have hulu and other places too i think it came out almost everywhere okay uh, on hulu today the day we're recording this june 3rd uh fire island was released So we are going to be watching Fire Island for our next episode. All right. So your homework for next week is to get wine drunk and watch Fire Island on Hulu or whatever you can if you're outside the U.S. Yep. Cool. I'll be looking forward to that one. Yeah. 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 I I am too. I I saw the trailer and it looked very funny. It also has Bo and Yang in it, who's one of my favorites. I find him hilarious on SNL. Well, awesome. Well, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Yeah. Missy Sawinski. Well, what does Missy Sawinski have to say? Uh, I hope. 
Paige or even Todd W dot 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 dot. Do you want me to look it up? No, I think I think we'll get it. <laughs> Please read in a Scottish accent. Oh, thank God. I love the accents. I, they're my favorite. Oh, fuck. Okay. Are you ready, Mikey? I'm fat bastard. <laughs> no. <laughs> Please read in a Scottish accent. I did a can what that's supposed to be, but it's not Scottish. <laughs> in light of me finally <laughs> <laughs> watching and absolutely being obsessed with Outlander. Yay. Nice. Also, I really need someone to rave about it with. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, if you would have finished watching it, then yeah. maybe you'd understand. I'm the leprechaun. The, uh, leprechauns are Irish. One of yeah, my... Like, <laughs> we need Clan McMuffin, not, oh, not oh, Leprechaun. Clan right. McLeod. <laughs> Highlander. Yeah. You can take our lives, but you can never take our review. <laughs> my name is Scrooge McDuck. And one of my favorite podcasts is by four. <laughs> the trio are hilarious and make, make listening to every episode amazing, even if you... <laughs> it keeps going to English. I almost want to see if I can try and do it just from the sheer amount of Outlander I've watched. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen the movie, you may never see the movie. I'm sorry, what was that? I started listening right after they posted <laughs> the first few episodes. <laughs> and that did enough. I'm some Rob. If it's on the menu, yeah. <laughs> if you think it's not going to leave a very similar review on the whole version, to up my chances of this being read, you're sadly mistaken. Five stars. <laughs> well, Miss Sawinski, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And uh, so sorry that none of us can do a Scottish accent. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's a me, a Scottish person. It's a me, a Scottish accent. It's a me, a Scotland. It's a, it's a me. I'm a McMario. <laughs> I'm from Clanna McMario. Clanna McMario. Would you like a, a classic Scottish cuisine? Uh, spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti. Wrapped in a haggis. <laughs> haggis spaghetti. All right. So, yeah, if you want us to read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. Haggis spaghetti. Is that 10th base? 10th base. You got to fuck the haggis first, though. All right. I got to go. My husband baked a loaf of bread for me. <laughs> he just opens the door and he's in a shower, like with like sourdough bread, like scrubbing himself. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab, and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at rampage wesley everywhere including tiktok except for twitter where she is at page wesley mikey is at m randolph 24 and i am at todd j awesome everywhere and guys we got a p.o box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a p.o box it's actually not a p.o box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 nolensville road number 108-34 brentwood tennessee 37027 so send us some stuff yeah that's gonna be it for us you guys i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm todd and you loofus to completion <laughs> to complete- <laughs> i want to go in and out of you
<laughs> no, what? <laughs> That's his pickup line for the movie, Paige. That's what he does every time. Not without grilled onions. <laughs> <laughs> and Thousand Island sauce. Bye. Yeah. I lost my voice, nerds. <laughs> <laughs>